Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cruel cross for me and my sin. Thank you for making the way of salvation possible. Thank you for conquering sin, death, and the grave, Father. We celebrate a risen Savior. You're not dead. You are alive and you live forevermore. You are the beginning and the end. And Father, we celebrate your son Jesus this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to gather. We pray this in Jesus wonderful name. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. God bless you. You may be seated. So glad that you are here to celebrate the resurrection with us in this place. It wasn't night. It was just after midnight. The road was dark, but out of the darkness, you see a figure making her way through the streets. She's by herself, but you could look at the woman, you know that she carries a burden. You can know that her heart is heavy. And if you were to look at her closer in the darkness, With the only light, the light of the moon shining down, you would see in her eyes a deep sadness. You would see a woman whose face has been crying for days. This woman is making her way through the streets of a city called Jerusalem. As she goes through the streets, she's thinking how eerily quiet the streets are. Because it was was just days ago that the streets were crowded with people shouting and screaming and mocking and cursing her master. You see, Jesus had been crucified on Friday, but it's now Sunday. And this woman is making her way through the streets and she's making her way and she's, she's trying to get to the tomb where they laid Jesus. They're making their way to the tomb because because they didn't prepare the body properly. You see, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, they they had to race to get the body prepared before sundown because it was going to be the Sabbath. And so they hastily wrapped the body of her Lord, her Savior, the one who had freed her. You see, Mary is a woman with a past. Mary was possessed by seven demons and a prostitute in her life. And there was a man by the name of Jesus, a man from Nazareth, the healer, the miracle worker, the one who walked on water, the one who did nothing but love, the one who did nothing but heal. And that was her savior. And they watched as they prepared the body. And she was thinking, Nicodemus, Joseph, be more careful. This is Jesus. Be careful how you wrap the hands. Those hands were held up by a cross and some nails. Oh, please be careful with the head because that head had a crown of thorns placed on it. Oh, be careful with the body, that heart, that heart that 
heartbeat for us. Oh, be careful. Wrap him carefully, please. Oh, clean his face. We, we, we have to make Jesus look better than this. We have to prepare his body better than this. But in the moment, there's no time. And here this woman, Mary, she's making her way through the streets. And in the coldness of the night, she's up before anybody else because she couldn't sleep. While everybody else was sleeping, she had a restless night. And she knew, I've got to get back to the body to see if I can properly prepare the body. Let me do it right this time. Let me do it with the care and respect and the dignity that it deserves. So she's coming back in the coldness of the night. And her hot tears are running down her cold cheeks as she's making her way to the tomb. She knows it well. She's making her way in the darkness and she comes to the place of the tomb. But something has changed. You see, when she left the tomb, the soldiers, the Roman soldiers were sent there. And they wanted to make sure that nobody would steal the body of Jesus. So they took a great stone and rolled it across. And then they put a Roman seal that if you broke the seal, you were worthy of death. And then they posted cards at the tomb. And as she's making her way to the grave, she's thinking, what am I going to do? I'm just a woman that, but I got to prepare the body of Jesus. And then she gets to the tomb. But something's changed. The stone that was supposed to be protecting the mouth of the cave where they buried the body of Jesus has been rolled away. The seal has been broken. But where are the guards? The guards aren't there. And the first thing this woman thinks of in John 20, verse number 2, is she thinks somebody has stolen the grave, stolen the body out of this grave. She's thinking grave robbers. Hasn't my Lord suffered enough injustice, enough indignity to be hung naked on a cross? And then to hear from his lips, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And now somebody, how dare somebody walk into this tomb and steal and desecrate the body of my Jesus. So she says, I know what I'll do. Verse 2, I will go and I'll get Peter. Because after all, Jesus went to Peter and said, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. After all, it was Peter who stepped out of the boat and walked on water. After all, it is Peter who was the leader of these 12 apostles. After all, go to Peter. Peter will know what to do. And I'll go to John. John was the closest to Jesus. John never left Jesus' side. When everybody else left, John was there at the cross. I'll run to them. So Mary makes her way back through those dark streets. The only light is the light of the moon to light her path. And she goes. And there she finds Peter and John asleep. Because they're from Capernaum. So they all stayed in the same place. And she found them. And she woke them up. And she said, Peter, wake up. Wake up, Peter. John, wake up. I've been to the tomb somebody's stolen Jesus and I'll tell you something every man in this room if you see a woman in grief and broken and tears you wake up you get up and you say I'm going to handle some things right now 
And Peter's a fisherman. He's a business owner. He's a leader. He's the one that takes charge. And Peter knew he had messed up before, but now he's going to take charge. So Peter stands up. Peter puts on his coat. And Peter says, let's go to that tomb and let's go ahead and handle whoever is going to desecrate the body of our master. The one that we walked with for three and a half years. We will handle him. I still have that sword that I tried to cut off Malchus's ear with. I've still got my sword and I've got John. Let's go. And the scripture tells us that John and Peter began to run to the tomb. They didn't walk. They ran. And as they're running to the tomb, the scripture gives us a detail. It says in verse number three, Peter therefore went out and the other disciples. And it says, so they both ran together. But it says the other disciple outran Peter. Now think for a second. Peter's a prideful man. He's got an ego. Peter doesn't come in second. Peter's a leader. Peter is the man. Peter doesn't just lose a race. But Peter, as he's running, he's running to the tomb where they laid Jesus. And he's remembering the words of Jesus. And he is running and he is beating John. And as he's thinking about something, a thought creeps over his mind. What did I do? The last time I saw Jesus, what was I saying? Who was I with? I was by a fire. And they were performing a mock trial. And I was warming myself with the people who were making accusations and saying lies about Jesus. I was standing there. And first a girl said, aren't you one of his disciples? And I said, no. And I said, not. I'm not his follower. And then a third said, you are a follower of Jesus. We know you. You are Peter. And then he began to curse. And as he's running to the tomb, these thoughts start coming back into his mind. And all of a sudden, where once he was winning to the tomb, now he begins to slow down. Because it's hard to run fast when you've lived loose. And Peter knew failed my Lord I have failed him I was going to be first I was going to follow I was going to be there but it's hard to run fast when you've lived loose I was a high schooler I was working at a place in Arizona and I told a lie about somebody who was a director there I wanted some attention I wanted somebody to notice me and I wanted people to think that I knew something that they didn't so I I said a lie, and I got caught. I I apologized. I said I was sorry. And then the next year, I was 1,800 miles away in another state at the other side of the country, and I was working with a sister organization. And because I was 1,800 miles away, they give you care families, host families, As fate would have it, you want to know who was my host family? The guy I had lied about. He said, Micaiah, come over for dinner. I said, no, thank you. I don't want to come over for dinner. And I love free stuff. I love free food. I love free eggs. 
but only if they have money in it. If it's your dollar store candy, you can keep it. Give it to a toddler who doesn't know better. Give me the eggs with money. That's all I want is the money eggs. That's all anybody wants. Keep your chocolate eggs to yourself. We want to buy a new iPhone. So give us some money. Why did I not want to go to dinner with that family? I made it right. I had apologized. Guilt. Shame. You know why Peter didn't want to go to the tomb? Guilt and shame kept him from wanting to go to that tomb. Because he knew, what if Jesus does come back? What if Jesus did resurrect? What if he is there? What will he say to me? I was warming myself by the fire. I was with those who were accusing Jesus. And some of you are in the same place. You were thinking, I can't go to church after all I've done. After what I was just doing or what I did last week or last month or last year. And some of you, you felt such shame and guilt coming to church. There is such a weight on you right now as you're sitting in church because you're thinking, I I haven't done anything for God this last year. Every year my family drags me to church and I hate it. But the family's got to be together for a family picture with the bunny. Just Photoshop me in. Don't make me go to church. Because of the shame and the guilt. Because you're like me. You don't want to sit in church and pull out the Bible that you knew right before you got to church you did this. (laughs) Or actually you did this. Phone, app store, download Bible app. John 20. (laughs) You turn around. You're showing it to people that you have a Bible app. It's next to the Tinder app, but hey. Oh, yeah, it got real here. I could have said other apps. Be glad I only said that one. And it's your guilt and your shame. But here's the thing about shame. You don't lose your present to your past. And many of you are losing your present because of what you've done in the past. You can't sit here. You're just thinking, I can't be here right now. You see, your future needs you more than your past does. Peter, in Acts chapter number 3, is going to preach a message where the church is going to be founded and thousands are going to be one to Christ. And his future depends on him not getting trapped in his past. And for some of you, your past is now your prison. And what meant to be a lesson has become a life sentence. You are trapped in the mistakes and the guilt and the shame of your past. And I'm here to tell you this morning that you come to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I know that you love me. I know that you can forgive me. You can show me mercy and you can heal me. And you give it to Jesus this morning. We've all messed up. No one walked in here with clean hands. Some of you walked in and was like, I can't go to church. The place will burn down. I'm telling you, we've had thousands of people come to our church and it's never burned down yet. We're fine. We're not going to set the place on fire. We have fire extinguishers. We're good. But your guilt and your shame made you feel like, I can't go there. But yet Jesus... In Hebrew says he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he ever lives to make intercession for them. 
Jesus doesn't care about your past. He just wants to know, is there a place for him in your future? But as long as you are trapped in the prison of your past, you can never see what he wants you to see. And as you are running to Jesus, as you're running to the tomb, you're coming in second. Why? Because you've locked into the lie that your past is stronger and better than your future. In World War One, if you were a prisoner, they would allow you to take some years off your sentence if you would serve in the army. Several men got pinned down in a foxhole. One of the men was mortally wounded. And he looked over at a man that he had befriended, a man that he had heard had a past, a man that he had heard was a convicted felon who when he gets home, if he gets home, has to go back to prison. His name was Devin. And this man who was dying looked over at Devin. He said, Devin, come here. He said, come here. And he reached on his chest and he took off his dog tags and he said, give me your dog tags. And he put his dog tags on him. And he reached into his wallet and he said, give me your wallet. He said, give me your papers. Because I'm going to take your bad name your crimes and I'm taking it with me to the grave and you're going to take my good name and you're going to take my good works and you're going to take that our God sent Jesus to take your bad name your sin your past your indiscretion the things you are ashamed with he took it to the grave and they have stayed there my friend he covers it he buries it as far as the east is from the west so far as he removed your sin from you is what the Bible tells us this morning so let's thank God this morning this place and let's just put our hands together and say thank Jesus that he has taken my sin and it's buried in that grave and it's not coming back he separate as far as the east is from the west this morning that's what our God has done for you and for me but I noticed something in this passage the Bible in verse 4 says so they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first and he stooping down looking in saw the linen clothes lying there yet he did not Go in. Verse 6. Then Simon Peter came following him and he went into the tomb. Peter didn't get there first, but he still got there. He had a past, but he said, I'm still going. Some of you had all kinds of excuses and reasons not to come to church, but you still made it. God still loves you. He's still got a plan and a purpose for your life. And every single day, the struggle is to get up and say, I'm going to make it once again to the foot of Jesus. I got to get to Jesus. I'm going to get there. Yeah, I've fallen. Yeah, I've messed up, but I got to get there. You see, my friend Peter got there. This morning, we want you to get there. And some of you won't even try to get there. How many are letting something get in your way this morning? It's interesting that John didn't go into the tomb. Did you see it? He got there first, but he wouldn't go in. You see, Peter had his guilt that kept him from the tomb, but John had his goodness that kept him from the tomb. You say, what do you mean? Because John was there when Jesus died. John was there at the foot of the cross because Jesus even said, John, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. That should have been Peter, but it was John. John was the disciple who leaned on Jesus' chest. And Jesus said, one of you will betray me. And John was the only disciple to say, who is it, Lord? While the other said, is it me? John knew he would never betray Jesus. 
You see, John had his goodness. You see, this morning, some of you, it's not that you can't do good. It's that you can't from, stop from being bad. You see, God didn't come down to earth to make you better. He came to bring dead men to life. Because without Christ, we're spiritually dead in our sins. And it's our goodness that keeps some of us from Christ. Some of us think, I'm not a bad person. I'm okay. But we all are in need of a Savior this morning. You see, even though Peter was worse than John, Peter wouldn't go in. Notice though when he does go in. Peter doesn't go into the tomb until verse 6. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb immediately. And he saw the linen clothes lying there, the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with linen cloths, but folded together in its place. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also. Isn't this amazing? You may have messed up, screwed up, but you going first. You going first may help somebody else in your family follow Jesus. You may be the one person to say, hey, I'm not going to abandon my kids. You're going to go first and that's going to help them. You may be the first one to say, hey, I'm going to fight for my marriage and that's going to be the first. You may be the first one which is going to unlock everything else for everyone else in your life. You see, John wasn't going to go in until Peter, who had messed up, Peter, who had junk in his life. That's when John went in. Some of you need to say, yeah, I'll go first. I'll be the first one. Yes, some of you have been victimized. You've been abused. Life's been unfair. It's been hard. Some of you right now, life is the worst it's ever been. And yet God still comes to you saying, come on, come to me. Don't stand outside of the tomb. Come in. Because there are revelations that God wants to show you when you get close to the resurrection. There's things he wants to reveal to you. There's things he wants to show you. When you get closer, you say, what does he want to show me? Because in this passage, in verse number seven, it says that there was a handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. What is this? You see, if people had come to rob the grave, I don't mean to be crude this morning, but underneath the rags that they would wrap Jesus, his body was naked. So if the rags are still there, and somebody robbed the grave, that means they're walking around with a body that was stripped down to nothing. My friend, no, what they are trying to say is the revelation in this resurrection is the fact that Jesus' body was there. And let me get Star Trek on you for a second. His body teleported out of that tomb. And the grave clothes just sunk right where they were. You see, God didn't roll back the stone to let Jesus out. He rolled back the stone to let the disciples in this morning. The stone is rolled back for you and for me, not for him. You see, there is nothing that can stop him. There's no walls that can stop him. There's no hard hearts that can stop him. There's no crime that can stop him. There's no bitterness that can stop him. There's no bad past that can stop him. Nothing can stop Jesus from getting to you. That night, the disciples be locked in a room. And the Bible doesn't say that Jesus knocked on the door, even though it was locked. It says that he appeared in the middle of the room. Nothing could stop him. But then Peter and John, they leave. They go back. But then we see Mary. Mary, she comes back to the tomb. She doesn't stay at the house. Once she had called Peter and John, she didn't just say, okay, I'm going to stay here. I'm tired. No, it says that she got to the tomb. 
You know, every year I teach and preach about Easter and the resurrection. And every year I'm thinking, what is there new out of this passage? I mean, there's only so many times you can go through the four gospels and approach it different. And some of you, you're, you're much older than me, though you look good. Don't get offended. You look good. You've heard this story more times than I've been alive. What can be new about the resurrection that you haven't already heard? But I love this. Because every time Mary came to the resurrection, she got a better revelation. You say, what do you mean? Notice if you would. The scripture shows us in verse number 11. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. She's still in her grief. And she wept. She stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Peter and John didn't see the angel. They didn't see it. But Mary gets there. This is the second time and she sees angels. You see, every time we come back to this story, God wants to show you something new. And Mary's getting something new every time she came back to the tomb. Something new, something different. Every time we open God's word, every time we approach him in prayer, every time we gather at Southridge Church, God wants to show you something new about him. And here Mary, she came. And it says in verse 13, then she said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. I find that interesting. You say, why? Because every time in the Bible, every single time you can look it up. Whenever an angel shows up, he always has to say two words, fear not. This is the first time in all of scripture that somebody was not afraid of an angel. It shows me that this woman has lost everything. She just doesn't care anymore. You ever been there? So trapped in grief. Whether you live, doesn't matter. Whether you die, doesn't matter. You're numb to life. More drugs, less drugs, more alcohol, less alcohol. More encounters, less encounters. More money, less money. That's the state of Mary's grief. That's how harsh life had been. The one person that loved her was gone. The one person that reminded her that she was an individual that had dignity and worth is gone. And now she might as well be gone. Angels that terrify everybody else, she says, I don't know. Verse 14, now when she had said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. Jesus is at the tomb. He's not laying on the rock that they had laid him. No, he's standing behind her. And the woman, he said, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I'll take him away. here to put down women but Jesus was a carpenter he weighed anywhere from 185 to 230 pounds and here's this little woman 
in her grief just saying, if you just tell me where Jesus is, I'll carry him. I will put him on my back and I'll take him to where I can properly prepare his body. Just, just please, sir, tell me where Jesus is. She's losing all grip on reality at this point because she's so locked in her grief. Have you ever seen somebody grieving at a graveside saying, please come back. Please don't go. I'll do anything to have you back. Have you seen somebody who's willing to do anything? That's Mary. And in her grief, something happens. In verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni? Teacher? Oh, there's something about hearing our names. There's something about when somebody says your name so much. There's so much meaning when somebody says your name. When somebody calls your name, you know everything. You know what they mean when they call your name. When they say to you, Dave. When they look at you and they say, Doug. Nick. DJ. Mark. Mark. When you hear your name. Rocky. Rocky. So much is said in the name. What did Jesus say to Mary in that moment that she said, he's alive. I didn't see him, but the moment he said my name, because nobody calls my name like the master can call my name. And when Jesus called my name, life comes into me. Joy comes into me. Hope comes into me. Restoration comes into me because he called my name. And it's the name of Jesus that gives life, that gives hope, that gives meaning to every day. It's when he called our name and he says, whoever comes unto him and he calls our name. See, Jesus is calling your name this morning. He wants to save you from your grief. He wants to save you from your goodness. He wants to save you from that place where you just feel like it's over. And Jesus called his name. And she said, Master, I know you. In that moment, she got something that Peter and John did not get. Why? Peter and John left. Why didn't Peter and John wait with Mary? You see, she's grieving. She's weeping. Mary's weeping and they're leaving. They missed out on a deeper revelation because they left too soon. You see, if Peter and John would have stayed just a few more moments, Jesus appears. They could have seen him in the flesh. They could have felt him right then and there. Because Jesus, the moment he sees Mary, Mary throws her arms around Jesus and clings to him. Peter and John missed it. Some of us, we just want church to end because we just got to get to some ham. We're just hungry. You got eggs with cash in it. And if you do, let me come too. We just on I don't mean to be insulting but what better thing do you really have going on in your life 
that you can't just sit at the feet of Jesus for a few moments without just getting on your screen, just like, oh, when's this going to be over? Warriors game, what else? Anything, anything. Putin, Ukraine. The Kardashians skipped the line and rode the teacups. Let's end the world over that. Let's freak out. And you're missing out on the fact that Jesus wanted to meet you because you had to rush to what? I live in the Silicon Valley. And everybody's got one speed. It's go, it's go, it's got to work, it's this, that. And we never just come into a place where we say, God, I need you. God, I got nothing left. And why is it that we got to wait till we're down and out with nothing left that finally we will pay attention to Jesus? Why is it not until the point we stop digging that we finally realize that, oh, I'm down to nothing. Now I guess Jesus is my only option. Jesus wants to be your first reaction when in a trial. My friend, I don't mean to be mean. Don't take this mean. We do this every Sunday. 51 other times throughout the year. This isn't just one time a year. You're like, I think they only do church once a year. I think that's it, Barb. I think we're fine. It's kind of cool. Once a year is good. Coffee, eggs. No cash in it. That church is cheap. No cash. In our life, we just, we go and we go and we go and we miss out on Jesus. And Jesus is trying to put peace in your heart. He's trying to help you with your depression. He's trying to help you with your addiction. He's trying to help you in your marriage. He's trying to help you in your parenting. He's trying to help you. He's trying to show that he loves you and he cares about you. And you're missing Jesus because where do you got to go? I'll tell you where Peter and and James and John went. Back to the place they were staying to lock the door where they stayed the rest of the day. It wasn't even COVID. They were sheltering in place. Lock. What do they got to do? They didn't even have Wi-Fi. They weren't playing Angry Birds or Candy Crush. There's nothing going on. But Mary, in her grief, she said, I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to stay at the last place where I know he was. Why don't you go to the last place where you encountered God? Why don't you go back to the place where you and God last met? Why don't you go back to the place where God spoke to you and said, hey, fight for your marriage. Where God spoke to you and said, hey, you need to receive Christ. You're on your way to hell and you need a savior. The last time that God spoke to you about your relationship. Get back to that place where God and you were one. Where he could just talk to you and commune with you. And just tell you that he loves you and he hasn't given up on you. And he has hope and he has faith in you. Get back to that place. Why are you rushing around looking in the superstitious, supernatural for something. When God is saying, I'm right here, right now. Just meet with me you don't have to look anywhere else you've been looking everywhere and found nothing and it's time to say Jesus I'm going to go back to where I know you're at I need you and in that moment Mary she found that there was Jesus you see she didn't want to face life without him she was okay to die if she didn't have Jesus and death is 100% guaranteed for every single person in this room. 100%. Nobody gets away with avoiding death. 
every Christmas, it's been a tradition in our family that on Christmas night, after we've opened presents, ate leftovers, we go to the movie theater and we watch a movie as a family. At the end of the movie, my wife, who had, we had just installed a vivid security system in our home. She said, the alarm's going off. She said, I'm getting an alert. It says somebody has broken into our home. We have a window break panic thing. And it said police had been notified. So immediately I'm thinking, let's get home. This is cool. Let's go. I said, pull up the cameras. I want to see this guy. I want to catch him in the act. My wife's like, no, let's, let's just safely drive home. I was like, I got this. Let's go. Let's go. We, we pull up to my house. And I was like, I'm going to go in. She's like, no, wait for the police. She could hear. We could hear things in the house. And my wife, Jane's like, stop. And I was like, did it work? She said, I don't think so. I was like, we'll try it louder. Nothing was working. And then I reached in the side glove of my car and I pulled out a pocket knife. branches that are overgrown that were slapping against my windows, causing a racket, set up the alarm. When I come out of the house, the police are there. And I'm like, I don't want to be a chum. I was like, I took care of it. It's all clear. Thank you, sir. Officers, I respect you. Thank you. I back you. For you. And they said, sir, what you did was incredibly stupid and reckless. Say, how are you going to punk me like that in front of my wife? And my wife is like, "Mm mm-hmm, I told him. I I said the exact same thing. They said, sir, if burglars would have been in that house, you lack any authority to do anything to them. Not only do you lack authority, you don't have any power to do anything. They probably would have stabbed you with your own knife. And then they said, you don't have any firepower to handle them. My friend, you are going to face death, the house of death. We're all going to face it. You are either going to face it on your own authority, your own power, or you can face it with Jesus who has all authority, who has all power, who doesn't just have power, but he has firepower because he said, all authority is given in me in heaven and earth. And he then he also said, hey, I have 
conquered death and taken the sting of death. I've conquered it. So you have a decision this morning. Are you going to face that house of death on your own? Or are you going to say, no, 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 I'm having Jesus with me. He's got the authority. He has the power and he has the firepower to deal properly with death. That's what the resurrection means. So whether you come this morning and you've got all kinds of grief, whether you come in your goodness or whether you come with your guilt and your shame, God says, I've got it all under control. We come in grace and we thank God for the gift of grace that he gives us. Because when we come to Jesus, there's no way that the grave can hold truth. There's no way that the grave can hold hope. There's no way that the grave can hold grace. Jesus Christ conquered it for you and for me. Somebody say amen in this place. Worship team, would you please make your way to the front? Can we all stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? This morning, run to the resurrection, look into it, and believe on it. An empty grave means you and I can have a full life. There is a point and a purpose to our life. And while we celebrate an empty tomb, we're sad when we see an empty life. So this morning, you can run fast, even when you've lived loose, because the grave loosed the bound bonds of Satan's sin in the grave. They have no hold on us this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you know that you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you say, I, I've made that decision. Would you just slip up your hand saying, yes, I've received Christ as my Savior. Would you just do that for a second? Oh, amen. Praise the Lord for that. Thank you so much. Let me put your hands down. You see, it was years ago on an Easter Sunday like this that I gave my life to Christ as a 14-year-old. Easter is very special to me. And while some of you raised your hand and said, yes, I know Jesus. I brought him my guilt. I brought him my goodness. I brought him my grief and he dealt with all of it. Some of you, you don't know Christ as your Savior. And this morning, if you say, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready to receive Christ as my Savior. I'm ready to repent of my sin and receive Him. I want to do that today. If that's you, you say, yes, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to say yes to Him. I want to receive His forgiveness of sin. Would you slip up your hand? Is that you this morning? I see that hand. Amen. God bless you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Any other hand? You say, yes, I want to see Christ. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Hands up all over the room. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray out loud for those who are coming to God for the first time and for the benefit of those who are coming to God after a long time. So would you repeat after me as we pray out loud together? Dear God, I come broken. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I'm turning to you now, changing my life come into my heart in Jesus name amen and if you prayed that prayer would you slip up your hands we could celebrate with you if you gave your life to Christ amen hallelujah let's celebrate with those let's lift our voices in worship to a great God and King who can save even the worst of us and he saves us for a purpose and a plan and we need to worship God together in this place
Thank you again for spending time with us today, and a special thanks to those who give generously to Southridge Church. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about Southridge, you can follow us on social media at Southridge Now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.